from Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Hello there, I'm Graham, VK4BB. This is WIA and the National News Service. This edition for week commencing July 10, 2016. Centenary of the Western Front. There's been a lot of behind-the-scenes work completed as the Geelong Amateur Radio Club gets ready for commemorative events marking the Anzac Roll on the Western Front in 1916. An outline of the VK100 Anzac activation has been on recent WIA broadcasts and in the pages of the WIA journal Amateur Radio Magazine, in fact in the July edition. The centrepiece of the commemorative event station will see VK100 Anzac operate on HF and VHF from Osborne House in North Geelong from July 19 to 21. On next week's WIA broadcast will be a special report about how so many young Australians enlisted in World War I, the wireless and armament developments that occurred in the lead-up to the war, to the terrible losses at Fromelles and Pozieres a century ago. Satellites are being tested at the Australian National University Mount Stromlo Space Facility in Canberra ahead of a mass satellite launch from the International Space Station later this year. The three CubeSats to be rigorously proven as space-ready have been developed by researchers at ANU and the Universities of Sydney, Adelaide and South Australia. In one Australian experiment, space weather and solar activity will be looked at as they are important to GPS navigation, financial systems and electricity grids. A second CubeSat will carry new instruments to measure atmospheric water and carbon dioxide. A third will carry four separate experiments, including a specially designed receiver and electronics with the ability to self-repair if hit by radiation or something breaks. The Australian CubeSats will be launched as part of the European Union's QB50 program of 50 satellites from 27 countries. Australia's Barrett Communications has signed a two-year contract with the Rainbow Radio League in the Caribbean under which Barrett is supplying HF equipment and RRL is installing, operating and maintaining the system. RRL is a non-profit community service organisation with limited fixed and portable assets. It's based in the Caribbean and the organisation, launched in 1995, comprises mainly volunteer amateur radio operators from different fields of work who've come together for maritime search and rescue and aeronautical response capabilities. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. WIA Board Talk and how do you keep up with the WIA news? A mainstay is the monthly journal of the WIA, the Amateur Radio Magazine, in a hard copy version posted to members and available in some news agencies and available electronically to those registered with the Memnet membership service. The wia.org.au website has lots of useful information, including some emerging news to keep readers up to date on what's happening. This weekly WIA broadcast, available on air and in text, seeks to bring listeners up to date with the latest. A few revived radio amateurs have found to be not fully aware of the abolition of the Morse code proficiency tests or that former limited licensees were translated more than a decade ago and now have full access to HF. The activity of amateur radio is changing. The WIA is at the forefront of this change, consults and keeps members informed and deserves your support. So, read AR Magazine, read and listen to the VK1 WIA broadcasts. Letter from America by Alastair Cook. 
Letter from America has been broadcast in Australia since the 12th of May 1974 on ABC Radio National, then known as Radio 2. But the program began in 1946 and was broadcast weekly. Here's Alastair from 1985, as sent to us by WIA Director VK6AS Andrew. The process of the MRI is dramatic and, to people like me, brought up on gargles and a doctor's fingers tapped on the chest. It's a dazzling bit of magic. The patient is put in the middle, the actual centre, of a very large circular magnet. The nuclei of hydrogen atoms in his, her body are then excited by radio wave impulses. After a time, the pulse is shut off. The excited nuclei are delighted to relax and they emit radio signals picked up by an antenna and fed into a computer. The computer then, hey presto, produces a picture on a television monitor. And there the doctors can get a clear picture in depth, not merely of organs, but of various kinds of normal and abnormal tissue. Yes, the use of radio wireless transmission. Also, Alastair Cook started this segment by bemoaning the loss of the manual typewriter as technology. But now we, as radio amateurs, have a crisis over who is permitted to utilise our technology. And yes, even more so, we do love to hang on to the old, citing privilege. The WIA has been here for over 100 years, and during that time it has faced many crises, some external like two world wars, and some internal like nationalisation of the WIA and the introduction of the Foundation Licence. There isn't good data on the participation in AR. Hopefully some current research outputting soon may help you to recognise trends. But the hearsay is that our hobby is losing ground. How do we cope with an ageing and so diminishing membership? Do we disappear like the Corps of Commissioners, or can we reinvent ourselves in some way? It's time we stopped being a group of angry old men. We have to do more than pretend that attracting scouts and guides to do foundation courses will swell the hobby. Yes, we have to look at groups and activities that really inspire people. Look at summits on the air, islands on the air, or digital modes as successes. They have worked so that enthusiasts can output their device and use amateur radio to make lots of noise. So why don't we stop fighting amongst ourselves about licensing privileges and instead get people to join our hobby? There's going to be a new LCD, the rules that govern our hobby, so let's have your input into the future. We are so lucky that AR in Australia is largely self-determining. We have a big spectrum allowance at present, which we don't really use. And as they say, if you don't use it, you lose it. So lobby me and the WIA to secure our hobby for the future. This is WIA Director Andrew, Victor Kilo 6, Alpha Sierra. VK1 WIA, all local news. We go around VK in 80 seconds. Tuesday the 5th of July was the annual general meeting of the Albury Wodonga Amateur Radio Club. With over 20 members in attendance, elections for the Board of Management and Committee were held. Elected were Tom, VK2MY, as President, Ron, VK2TRL, as Vice President, Frank, VK2BFC, as Secretary, Peter, VK2ATY, as Treasurer, with Irwin, VK3ERW, Peter, VK2ZZA, and Fred, VK3XLV, elected as Committee Members. AWARC is holding a Foundation Licence course on the weekend of the 20th and 21st of August in Wodonga. 
So if you're in the region and looking for a weekend course to do your foundation licence, drop a line to Frank, VK2BFC, at VK2BFC at wia.org.au for details. Standard and advanced assessments are able to be undertaken on Sunday the 21st of August also on request. This is Frank, VK2BFC, Secretary for the Albury-Wodonga Amateur Radio Club. Hello everyone, it's Rick VK4LW from the Caboolture Radio Club. Just letting everyone know our ham fest is happening on Saturday the 16th of July. Uh, entrance uh, fee is $5, tables are $20 and it all opens at 9am. We'll be having a barbecue breakfast which uh, with uh, ham and ham and uh, bacon uh, rolls and uh, sausages and tea and coffee. Uh, we're, like, we're going to have it at uh, the Caboolture Scout Grounds. And uh, that is located at 169th Smith's Road, Caboolture. Uh, any more information, like how to book and uh, all that sort of stuff, is available on our Facebook page or our webpage, VK4QD. We'll see you there, 73s. What use is an F-call? As you might recall, I've been struggling to get an antenna installed on my car. It's been a process that started seven months ago, resulted in the purchase of four single-band antennas and finally the purchase of an antenna tuner. I could spend hours discussing the things that were recommended, tried and tested, but I won't. It's a sorry tale that I'll share with you over a beer or six one day. On the first day that everything worked, and I use the term loosely, since it's not been long enough to compare the performance of the antennas to my squid pole solution and the other antennas I've used over the years, on that first day I spoke to about six different stations scattered around me, at varying distance from less than 5 kilometres away to 700 kilometres away. During that time I was parked up in front of a friend's house and after a contact we'd position the car in a different direction to see what the impact of that change might be. Since this was the first contact with this setup, we kept the movement to the four directions of the compass, north, east, south and west. Generally speaking, there was a difference for some contacts, depending on which way the car was pointing. The difference could be as much as two S points. That's 12 dB difference, which is a big deal. You might recall that this is similar to the difference between an F-call using 10 watts and a standard call using 100 watts. Without actually measuring, since this was a rough and ready check, my car, with the antenna mounted on the boot, has a better performance when the nose of the car is pointing at the remote station. Incidentally, the side and rear seem to perform similarly. That is, there's no particular difference if the station is off to the side or the rear. As I said, this is a rough and ready check. I'm going to do the same test several more times and with the cooperation of a friendly remote station hopefully add some data points between the four directions of the wind because it's likely that there are weird artifacts that distort the radiation pattern and it might just be that if you point the car to the northeast you get another S point thanks to the vagaries of the build of my particular car. In the end I plan to log my direction, the S point reading and with that I'll be able to draw the radiation pattern that my car represents and in turn I'll be able to use that to figure out which way to point when I'm working the grey line or when I absolutely have to make a contact with a rare DX station. A mobile rotator on four wheels. I'm on a Victor Kilo 6 Foxtrot Lima Alpha Bravo. From Australia this is VK1 WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. 
International News, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. The USA's FAA receives more than 100 reports each month from pilots and others who spot what appear to be unmanned aircraft, UAVs, flying too close to an airport or airplane. Now the FAA has commissioned the Pathfinder program to evaluate technologies for detection and identification of unauthorised UAV or drone flights near airports. VK7 News report that they can detect a drone 10 kilometres away using KU-band scanning radar, track it using precision infrared and daylight cameras and specialist video tracking software before disrupting the flight using an inhibitor to block the radio signals that control it. The detect, track, disrupt, defeat process is very quick and typically takes less than 15 seconds. Free downloads, Mars Explorers Wanted posters. Mars needs you. In the future, Mars will need all kinds of explorers, farmers, surveyors, teachers, but most of all, you. Download a Mars poster that speaks to you. Each of the eight posters represents a different type of explorer NASA is seeking. You can view them online, print them and share them with your friends. RF pollutions from solar panels. The Netherlands National Amateur Radio Society, Veron, reports on the pollution problems caused by solar panels installed on homes. Electrical systems such as solar panel installations must comply with EMC, electromagnetic capability standards. This means that there is a limit to the electromagnetic fields, EMF, that an electrical system, such as the combination solar panel and inverter, including cabling, may emit. However, a 2014 study in 14 European countries by the EMC Administrative Cooperation Working Group found that this emission limit is more often than not exceeded. The Malaysian Amateur Radio Society, MARTS, has advised that the Amateur Radio Certification Review was showing some positive future changes in that country. In the new structure, there will be three classes of licence, namely Class A that give 1 kilowatts on all HF bands with upgraded privileges. Class B has most HF bands at 50 watts, and the new entry-level Class C gives access to 2 metres, 6 metres and 70 centimetres. The Morse code proficiency test of 12 words per minute that currently apply to the Class A or top licence will be removed. In other news, the minimum age to obtain the Class A will be 15 years, with Class B the middle class licence at 15, and Class C will be at 12 years. When these changes will take effect is not known, but will follow the normal drafting procedures for all new rules. IARU volunteers recognised. Two long-serving volunteers in IARU Region 1 were recognised for their work at IARU at the Frederick Sharpen Ham Radio event last week. Christian Verholt, Oscar Zulu 8 Charlie Yankee, former chair of the EMC Working Group and former EMC advisor to the IARU International Secretariat, was awarded the IARU President's Diamond Award by Tim Ellen, Victor Echo 6 Sierra Hotel, IARU President and Ollie Garbstad, Lima Alpha 2, Romeo Romeo, IARU Vice President. The award is a new reward to recognise exceptional volunteer contribution over many years. Christian was also awarded the Region 1 Medal by Region 1 President Don Beatty in recognition of his work on EMC matters in the region for more than 20 years. Wolfgang Huddle, Delta Kilo 2 Oscar Mike, 
was awarded the Region 1 medal by IARU Region 1 President Don Beattie. Golf 3 Bravo Juliet to recognise his ongoing exceptional leadership to the successful IARU monitoring system. Congratulations to both for their commitment to the work of the IARU. Power to the people. Andorra returns to 60 metres, gains new 4 metre band and more power on 6 metres. In an Andorran government resolution, Andorran amateurs receive news of two new amateur radio bands plus an increase in power in an existing one following requests from its national society, URA. On the 60 metre band, Andorra returns to 5 MHz but this time under the new WRC 15 allocation of 5351.5 to 5366.5 kHz with a maximum power of 15 watts EIRP. CW and USB is permitted with a maximum bandwidth of 5 kHz. On the 4 metre band, a new allocation of 70 to 70.2 MHz has been granted on a non-interference basis with a maximum power of 10 watts. All modes are permitted and users must abide by the IARU Region 1 4 metre 70 MHz band plan. On the 6 metre band, a power increase has been granted up to a maximum of 600 watts. Offshore radio floats some memories in the UK. If you don't remember Radio Caroline, one of the many popular offshore broadcasters from decades ago, here's a chance to sample what the experience was like amateur radio style. RSGB and Amateur Radio Newsline reporter Jeremy Boot, Golf 4 November Juliet Hotel, tells us more. What happens when a group of amateurs wait for their ship to come in? In this case, what happens can result in a great tribute and some radio nostalgia. In fact, that's what's taking shape next month with special event station GB5RC, where the R and C stand for Radio Caroline. Those who remember the era will recall Radio Caroline as the highly popular offshore broadcast operation, complete with superstar DJs who revolutionised listening in the UK for about five decades. That ship, by the way, has already come in. It's the MV Ross Revenge, the site of the original Caroline broadcasts. It will be moored on the River Blackwater in Essex for the occasion. The Essex-based Martello Tower Group is operating two stations aboard the craft between the 5th and 8th of August. This time, however, although there won't be any disc jockeys or spinning discs, amateurs will be spinning the VFOs on their rigs on most of the HF bands between 40 and 10 metres, including possible operation on 17 and 12, both stations operating concurrently, and there will be a commemorative QSL card. It's not so far-fetched for amateur radio to play such a key role in celebrating broadcast radio. After all, hams were very involved in many of the technical aspects of keeping Radio Caroline up and running in the 60s and 70s. The Caroline broadcasts on board the MV Ross Revenge stopped in 1991, but the tributes go on and on. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jeremy Bucci, 4NJH in Nottingham, in the UK. News, talk and radio sport, here with VK1 WIA. Operational News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ 2016. IARU HF Championship Contest, July 9 and 10. Saturday night, the third full weekend of July, 800 UTC finished, 1400 hours UTC. 16 July, it's the Trans-Tasman Low Bands Challenge. 1010 International Summer Contest, August 6 and 7. Remembrance Variety Contest, August 13 and 14. 
The 19th International Lighthouse Lunch Weekend, August 20 and 21. 36 Alara contest is on the last four weekends in August, August 27 and 28. The second quarter period of the Ted Powell Memorial DX Challenge for 2016 is now closed, and entries are now open until the 14th of July. The objective of the challenge is to work the most wanted DXCC entities based on their ranking in Club Log's Most Wanted list, which is published on their contest website. All Australian amateurs are eligible to enter, and entering is easy. You don't need to be a serious DXer. If you worked in DX during April or June, head over to vk2au.org and submit an entry. The website is tidy and easy to understand. Scroll down to the Entry Submission section where you'll find a number of simple ways to submit your entry. This is a fun and relaxed challenge where you work DX in your own time over a three-month period. Unlike serious DX contests, we have to sit at your ready for hours giving out serial numbers. It's easy and submitting an entry only takes a few minutes. This is a relatively new contest run by the Fisher's Ghost Amateur Radio Club and they'd love to get an entry from you. Operators Wyatt, AC0RA and Dave, KG5CCI will activate Santa Rosa Island as K6R on a satellite expedition between September the 16th and 18th. The Santa Rosa Island is in the Channel Islands National Park. Operators have secured permissions, arranged to get to the island, and will spend two nights camping and operate on a number of satellite passes, as well as some terrestrial and HF operations too. Look for updates to be posted on the k6rqiz.com page over the coming months with FAQs, pictures and more information. Iceland, TF. TF stroke W4MQC from the Troll Peninsula until the end of July. Activity is mostly on 30 metres, but also on 40 and 20 metres. QSL to home call W4MQC. Federal Republic of Germany, DA. Special event station DR777RISQIB until the end of 2016 to mark the 777th anniversary of the town of Rintelen. QSL via DL8OBQ. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Good morning, this is Robert, VK3DN, with this week's Worldwide Special Interest Group news. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Females in Radio, ALARA, the Australian Ladies AR Association. Lynn Battle, VK4SWE, in the latest ALARA newsletter, tells how VK4 will host the next ALARA meet in Cairns. No date has been set yet. A long weekend in late August, early September looks like being the best choice. A Friday meet-up with both touristy and technical tours over the weekend. Already they have the green light for the tours of the RFDS base, that's the biggest flying doctor base in Queensland, the BOM, the Bureau of Meteorology at the airport, not usually open to visitors. Touristy uh, places include Jark's Coffee Plantation on the Atherton Tablelands, possibly a tour of the old World War II igloo at the Rocky Creek Australian General Hospital, which is undergoing renovation as a project by Rotary. Rocky Creek was the site of the largest military hospital in the Southern Hemisphere, a 3,000-bed hospital which treated over 60,000 patients from 1943 to 1945. Atherton Rotary Club is driving a project to refurbish the site and resume community functions there and establish a military museum. 
So orders go for Alarami 2017. More details as they come to hand. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier. NASA's Juno spacecraft, which in 2013 listened for earthbound radio amateurs sending high in coordinated very slow speed CW, now is circling Jupiter. This is a first of a kind for interplanetary spacecraft. Juno was able to detect 10 metre amateur radio signals on October the 9th, 2013, as it looped past Earth for gravity assisted boost on its way to Jupiter. Juno arrived at the solar system's largest planet on July the 4th. At the time of the amateur radio experiment in 2013, the spacecraft was about 37,500 kilometres away and the signals it received were reported to have been just at or above the noise level. The object of the experiment was to see if Juno's onboard waves experiment would be able to detect the collaborative RF. According to the University of Iowa, after the flyby, the Juno team evaluated the WAVES instrument data containing the messages and all was A-OK. Two amateur radio licensees are part of the International Space Station crew increment who arrived on the orbiting outpost this week. NASA astronaut Kate Rubens, KG5FYJ, astronaut Takuyu Onishi, KF5LKS of the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency, and cosmonaut Anatoly Ivanishin of Roscosmos launched early on July the 7th from the Baknakar Cosmodrome in Kazakhstan. The trio will spend approximately four months on the station and will return to Earth in October. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Radiometer Young Timers, Schools Link Project. Now that the Tim Peake School's contacts have finished, you might be thinking that it's all over. But the RSGB has been setting up Schools Link Project to work initially with the 10 RS School Contacts Schools to develop wireless-related science and its technologies into activities for use in everyday teaching. ENG3YNU is leading the project. Some schools have already set up amateur radio clubs as a result of the pupils getting their foundation licence to lead the RS Contacts Others are being very active with their local clubs and are looking for ways in which to include amateur radio activities into their busy schedules or are running foundation licence courses for other pupils. Power announces Kids Day 2016. The Philippine Amateur Radio Association has its Kids Day on July the 16th to encourage young people to try out the hobby. The aim of the event is for children under 15 years of age to be put on air during the fun family event and contact as many other stations as possible. The rules? A child may enter the competition using a log of contacts with a signal report and age given during each QSO. The Kids Day runs for 12 hours from 8am to 8pm on Saturday July the 16th. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Lowdown SAQ received on Web SDR. Martin G8JNJ received the 17.2 kHz SAQ transmission from the VLF Alex Anderson alternator in Sweden using the web-based software-defined radio located near Farnham. The Alex Anderson alternator is an electromechanical radio transmitter named after the Swedish engineer Ernst F.W. Alex Anderson it was constructed from 1922 to 1924 at Grimton Close to Vanberg in Sweden and is now classified as a World Heritage Site. 
The low frequency coverage of the SUWS WebSDR extends from 5 kHz to 2 MHz. Google SUWS WebSDR. That's all I have for you this week. This has been Robert, VK3DN, reporting from Melbourne. Free, free, free. Free. Rewind, a look back on our history. The Russian woodpecker, the notorious over-the-horizon radar that played havoc with shortwave radio, began transmissions in July 1976 and continued for more than 13 years. When first heard by radio amateurs around the world, it had a distinctive, sharp, repetitive tapping noise. This resulted in them nicknaming it the Russian woodpecker, and the name stuck. It randomly hopped on frequencies to disrupt legitimate broadcasts, amateur radio, the marine and aviation bands, and utility stations, resulting in thousands of complaints by many countries worldwide. Transmissions were heard from about 3 MHz to above 17 MHz, and were officially part of the Dragar radar system. In fact, there were three Russian woodpecker transmitters strategically placed in the Ukraine and Siberia, each had a power of at least 10 megawatts feeding very large multi-element phased array antennas, which in official circles were called the Steel Yard. The woodpecker signals bounced back from the ionosphere and this backscatter contained information which could show any travelling object. At the height of woodpecker nuisance, some receivers were fitted with woodpecker blankers to minimise the harmful interference. The radars were part of the Cold War and until the fall of the Soviet Union formed part of the anti-ballistic missile early warning system network. The Russian woodpecker finally went off the air in December 1989 when the Soviet Union collapsed. It has gone, although more sophisticated over-the-horizon radars are now used by several countries for military and border protection. Now a quick look at the social scene and we're out of here. This weekend, July 9, 10 in VK3 sees Gipstech 2016 being held in Churchill. July 16 in VK3, it's Gippsland Gate Radio and Electronics Club Hamfest at Cranbourne. July 16 in VK4, Caboolture Radio Club Hamfest, Caboolture Scout Ground. August 7 in VK6, NCRG Hamfest, 9am at the Cyril Jackson Community Hall, Ashfield. And VK2 Summerland, that's at Lismore, their ham fest at the club rooms, August 28. Now, until next we meet, I'm Graham VK4BB. Walk softly. From Australia, this has been VK1 WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.